Good morning. How is everyone? Ooh, you guys are awake this week. That was awesome. There, I know. Everybody's, the cold weather did it. You walked out the door and you were jolted, right? You have a good week? Yes? Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, let me give you just a few little announcements here to start off our morning to let you know what's happening this week. Um, we have um, several things coming up, so I want to make sure that you guys note this because you don't want to miss out. First one is Wednesday night we have prayer meeting. Prayer meeting is Wednesday night, and um, it is really a sweet time. I want to encourage you. I'm going to keep encouraging you every single week forever. And guess what? When we get into eternity, I'm going to come look up your mansion and I'm going to say thanks for praying. So we're excited about praying together and we want to make sure that you guys know these are on your chairs. If you have any prayer requests at all or any praises, fill these out, put them in the offering plate or bring them to me or Pastor Tim or Pastor Scott. You can just drop them off to us. We want to make sure we're praying for you and we want to rejoice when we get to praise Jesus as well. So that's one thing. Also, if you are new here, if this is your first time or you've been coming a couple times and you haven't filled out one of these cards, they're sitting on your chairs as well, please fill this out and come and give it to me or Pastor Tim, or you can put it in the offering plate as well. But we want to make contact with you. We want to meet you, and we want to introduce ourselves, and we want to know who you are. So make sure you fill those out as well. And then we have movie night on January 28th. It's a Friday night, and uh, we will meet here at 6.30 is when concession starts. And then we will have the movie starting at 7. So we're looking forward to that. It's a really good time together. And mark your calendars. Is everybody listening? Do I have your attention? Mark your calendars for February 11th. We're going to have a hymn sing hoedown Valentine's Friday night. We're going to have a potluck. So everybody's going to come, bring your dishes, and we're going to sing together and just enjoy each other's company. So that's on February 11th at 6 o'clock. And that's coming up. So just wanted to note those for you guys. So um, let's get ready for worship here. We are, I wanted to remind you, Scott, do you have that, that uh, song for me to put up? Um, just check these out. This is a really neat reminder. Read these with me out loud. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into our hearts. That's just a good reminder that we're here to bring Jesus worship. This is for Him. This is our gift to Him this morning. And we get to worship Jesus, which is such an honor to be able to do. So let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this morning. Would you guys stand with me as we pray? And um, let's just welcome him in. Father, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for the snow that you've given us this week to remind us that you make us pure. Lord, we thank you for your presence, that you've always been here that you'll never leave us or forsake us, and that you have been waiting for us to walk into these doors this morning. So, Lord, I pray that as we, as we release everything that's been busy in our mornings, all the stress from the week, that we can just set it aside and focus on who you are and bring you our hearts of worship. 
Lord, I pray that this morning your spirit will overtake us. I pray that you will feel free to move here, that this is your time, and that we will sit in your presence as long as you want us to, because it's about you. So, Lord, as we sing to you, I pray that you will know how much we love you, that we will sing with a full heart, and even with some of us it might be a weary heart, you still want it. You meet us right where we're at, and we're grateful for that, Lord. But I pray we will give you our all. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you for waiting for us this morning and waking us up. So Jesus, be glorified as we sing to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.
got a worshiper down here. You guys are missing out. You are. I got all choked up. <laughs> awesome. Let's continue to worship. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you, and I was breathing, but not. All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you You called my name
him. Say, we're glad you are here. I tried to get it back like a couple times. Well, that's all right. I think we can do it. Let's continue to worship now. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever.
kids all dancing up here. It's awesome. Praise Jesus, Lord. You are so good. Man, forever he's faithful. That is mind-blowing when you think about it. It's forever. Not when he likes you. Not when we've done everything right, because he loves us all the time, but he is always faithful. Wow. We have a very loving God. And these little ones down here, oh, I can't hold it together. They're amazing. Got them all over the place. And they are worshiping Jesus. I want to be like that. If I ran up and down these aisles like they were and twirling and spinning, what would you do? Huh? <laughs> because that's what's going on inside. I just love Jesus. He loves you in a huge way. No matter what is going on in your mind and what things are being spoken to you, whether it's from the enemy or from yourself, it doesn't matter what you say at all. All that matters is what he says. And he loves you.
Father, we love you. We thank your spirit for being here. We need you here. We just can't walk this life without you. We want you just to come into this place. We just want you to soak. We want to soak in you and just release everything that we've been holding on to because you can handle all of it. There's not one thing that surprises you. You already know. All we need to do is just let it go. Help us do that. Lord, we love you. I pray, Father, that you know how much we love you, even when we don't have the words. Be with us the rest of this morning. Be with Pastor Tim as he gets ready to come and give us your word. Lord, it's truth, and we need truth. We need challenged because we want to be transformed. Make us more like you. And help us just to let go of all the stuff that we hold on to. Let us just sit with you this morning. So if the ushers would come forward. sense today, I sense that you feel like you worshipped. And it was a precious time. And as I was sitting here and we were singing, there was a phrase from another old song that came to my mind. And it was the phrase, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Nothing else. There's nothing else. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Today I want us, uh, I planned for us to conclude what has been a four-part series called Talking About Things That God Didn't Say. And I was under the impression some weeks ago Sometimes within the church, we get so used to saying particular things, phrases, 
and attributing them to God. Sometimes we need to hit the reset button and be brought back to reality, if you will. And the understanding and the realization that a lot of the things we attribute to God are not things that He said, but rather what we do is we take a a concept and we change it or bend it, or we take something that God did say and we bend it until it fits a philosophy that we carry through life. And it makes us feel good because it's something that we think God should have said if He didn't. So... Those are the things we've been talking about. And what we've been doing is just looking at these common phrases, these common sayings that have been attributed to him across decades, centuries even, and that we believe are true. And today we're going to look at perhaps one of the most relevant and easily believed lies and then consider what God really did say. I think it's very natural, a very natural saying in our day and age. You've heard it, you may have even said it, but this is the phrase. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe about God as long as you're sincere. And it sounds so good. It even sounds theological. And it feels good to say it because it feels good to think that God is so big and so loving that it doesn't matter what you believe about Him as long as you are sincerely believing it. We could call it a feel-good theology. Well, you're a good person. And you're better than most people. And we talked about that last week and how we look around in the church even and we find somebody that we think, well, I'm better than him, you know. I don't know how many funerals I've done across 51 years of ministry, uh, decades of funerals. Um, And you're excited. You came to church today to hear about funerals. I know. Anything to encourage you this morning, it's what I'm here for. But I was thinking back this week of how many I've conducted for someone who wasn't much of a person of faith. And people gather in the funeral home or in the church, and I will hear them saying, well, they're in a better place now. Oh, they're looking down on us now. And I've conducted funerals of total rascals. Not only were they not people of faith, they weren't good people, and I know I'm passing judgment here, but it was just an observation. I've conducted funerals of people who were wife abusers and child abusers, and the list goes on and on. Funerals where I had to almost ignore the person that was in the box. Because I found it hard to find anything good to say about that person's life. I did one funeral some years ago, and one of the guys on my staff came up afterwards, and his statement to me was, you just took a pile of crap and made it smell like roses. 
He knew the deceased. I didn't. But I knew that he was not necessarily a good person. So I didn't say anything about him. I talked about Jesus. And somehow that has the ability to transform what's going What I'm saying to you is, live your life in such a way that the pastor doesn't have to lie about you at your funeral. They're looking down. Oh, they're in a better place. Because it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And all roads lead to God anyway. And all religions are basically the same. And, and it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You're probably going to go to heaven. That's called universalism. Everybody becomes a theologian at a funeral. And it's interesting how in our culture today that spirituality is not controversial. It's not controversial to believe in God. I mean, just watching a sporting event, they hit, make a touchdown. Just watch the Grand... Yeah, Chiefs fans, that's what we're talking about here. Or even Grammys. Watch the Grammys. You know, people can talk about spiritual things all day long and a higher power, and there's no controversy. But the controversy explodes the moment you talk about Jesus. That's when things go south, and that's when things get interesting because there's very little debate about the existence of Jesus. I mean, even a first century historian by the name of Josephus spoke about Jesus, this one from Nazareth. I mean, even those who are detractors aren't going to tell you that he didn't exist. And they are probably going to acknowledge that he, they are going to acknowledge that he was a real person and probably will acknowledge that he taught some nice things. Maybe they even love the things that he taught, at least within reason. Help the poor and love others and be generous and forgive. I mean, even if you're not in love with Christianity, it is almost impossible to hate the things that Jesus taught. So why does everyone get upset about Jesus? What is the issue? What is the problem with Jesus? It is basically in that exclusive claim of Jesus. And it's very direct in Scripture. In John 14, 6, when Thomas, one of the disciples, didn't quite know where he was going in life, and he asked Jesus. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he didn't stop there. Then he said, No one comes to the Father except through me. And there it is. That sets Jesus apart from other world religions. It is that exclusivity clause. That he is the way to the Father. I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that seems to go directly against our idea 
that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I mean, let's think about the statement Jesus made for a a moment and, and just delve into some other world religions for a minute and admit that there are some things that are beautiful and some truth in most of them, but they are not the same. Just a little brief history lesson. Buddhism has no God. No final type of existence. A Buddhist would believe in countless rebirths. Or Hinduism, it's different. Hinduism has an impersonal God that is approached through other deities and statues or idols. And neither of these offer forgiveness of sin or supernatural help, only karma. And karma is if you do bad things, bad things are going to happen to you. Or we think about the fastest growing religion in our world today, Islam. Muslims worship Allah, a personal God. They have a total ban on idols. I mean, okay. But your relationship with God depends totally on your religious devotion and your works. With no idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there is an old, there is an old new, newer religion that still circulates in our world. It's a, a humanism. And back when I was a young pastor, we spoke often of new age, new age movement. It's a religion. It's popular in a lot of the world. There's no personal God. But you're going to believe most often in a higher consciousness or, or wanting to be maybe one with the universe. And we come to Christianity where there is a personal God exposed to us through the love of God's Son, Jesus. And He offers forgiveness of sins. And it's not based on religious efforts, but on God's goodness and grace. You see, it does matter what you believe. Religions are not the same. So when someone says that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, an objective person has to look at it and say, number one, God didn't say that. And number two, I don't think that's right at all. Now I confess to you, as you know, I am a follower of Jesus. So if you want to say I am biased, so be it. But what I want to do this morning is simply ask you for a few moments when you're thinking it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere to consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider this church. I'm not asking you to consider a Christian denomination. I'm not asking you to consider Christianity. Because Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to reveal the love of God to those who needed a Savior. To me. So I'm not going to ask you to consider the behavior of those Christians (laughs) that you have met across the years. Because you can meet two Christians... And one of them is loving and genuine and full of grace. And another might come across as narrow-minded and hateful and judgmental and bitter. 
All I'm asking you to do is to consider Jesus. And then you decide what you think is actually true about faith and eternal life. And there are three aspects of Jesus I would ask you to consider today. Consider the ministry of Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, we find a summary of why Jesus came. The Pharisees saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, and they asked the disciples, why in the world would He do that? Because no righteous person would eat with people like that. They were too dirty. They were too filthy. They were full of sin. So why would this Jesus even hang out with them? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So what he was saying was, he came for people like us, who just can't get it right. He came for those that the leaders despised. He loved and accepted those who were castaways. To those that religion rejected, Jesus loved and reached out to. So when a woman was caught in adultery and all the religious people said, stone her, Jesus looked at them, the ones that, would, that, that were calling out for her death, and He said, I want you to be the one that, cast, that throws the first rock. And then He looked at the woman and He said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let me tell you something. I choose to put my trust in truth found in this 2,000-year-old book. Consider the ministry of Jesus. This book tells me that He opened blind eyes, and He healed deaf ears, and He caused the mute to speak, and He touched the lepers that no one would touch, and He turned water into wine, and He multiplied loaves and fishes and fed 5,000, that He raised the dead, that He walked on water. Now those are incredible stories. And some might say, I kind of have my doubts. But you have to remember that His critics did not dispute the validity of those miracles. They just wanted Him to stop. So consider the ministry of Jesus. Or consider the resurrection of Jesus. And to understand it all, you need to grasp the fact that God loves you. But He hates sin. And that's why Jesus was born of a virgin. Because God didn't want the sin nature of an earthly father that would pass from generation to generation to come into that son. He was born without sin. And that's why He could go to the cross and become sin for you and me. On the cross, when the creation was mocking Him, at that moment when they were driving stakes through His wrists and through the heels of His feet, and they had beaten Him until He was unrecognizable, He's hanging there on that instrument of torture, and Jesus looks up to God and says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And then He said, It is finished. I did it. 
into your hands. I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark. And the earth trembled. And the centurion that was standing by Jesus there at the cross, who was not a believer at all, looked up and said, Surely this man was the Son of God. And three days later, when the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and Jesus was not there. I admit, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm biased. He had been raised from the dead. And Peter said in Acts 3.15, Acts to those who were standing around him, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And then Peter said this most important phrase, we are witnesses of this. We are not just making this up. We were there. We witnessed this. They were eyewitnesses to the fact that he had been dead, but now he was alive. They were eyewitnesses. Now, Skeptics and critics will say, and have been saying for 2,000 years, I imagine that the Roman soldiers probably stole that body away. But if that happened, don't you think they might have at least been tempted to parade his body through the streets to let people know that this, this, this rumor that he had been raised from the dead was not true? Well, uh, I, I think maybe the disciples took the body. Yeah, right. Eleven ordinary men, overpowered, uh, armed Roman soldiers, and then came up with this elaborate scheme, the greatest conspiracy theory in history. And they pulled it off. And they kept it a secret. And they had no personal motives. I mean, only extreme personal loss. With all but one of them dying for their faith because they were eyewitnesses that the tomb was empty. And only one doubted, and he's my favorite, old Thomas. He was a skeptic. Now, I'm not going to believe it until I See with my own eyes that he is alive. And it is about that moment that Jesus walks into the room and he says, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Touch my side and my hands. And stop doubting. But believe. And Thomas, this one who doubted, was convinced enough that he became the great evangelist to India. And while there, sharing the gospel, when they asked him to renounce his faith in Christ, Thomas, who was the doubter, said, I will never renounce my Savior. And they drove a spear through his body. Why would he die for a faith that he once doubted? It was because he saw the risen Christ. He was an eyewitness. We are eyewitnesses. You killed the Savior Jesus, but God raised Him from the dead. I mean, just consider it. Don't consider Christians. 
Don't consider me. Because I'll let you down. Don't consider the church because we're imperfect. Consider Jesus. That He came for sinners. And that eyewitnesses were willing to die because they saw Jesus raised from the dead. So consider His ministry. And consider His resurrection. And when you're thinking about the fact that it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere, consider the message of Jesus. It was an eternal message that Paul summarizes in Romans 3.22. When he wrote, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, he's saying, these things that we grew up believing have been pointing toward this one. And he says, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe. Believe what? It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. No. Paul was talking about people who believe that Christ came as the Savior of the world, died on a cross for our sins, was resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, and lives today. That we are made right with God by believing and by having faith in Jesus. The good news is, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how messed up your life is right now, no matter, no matter that you've hated Christianity before, no matter how angry or bitter you are in your heart, or how dark your world is right now. Hear me. Christianity really is Christ plus Nothing. It is not Christ plus good works. Some of you are going to be mad at me when I say this, but it is not Christ plus baptism, or Christ plus church membership, or Christ plus giving money. It is Christ plus nothing. In Christ alone, we have the hope of eternal life. In Christ alone, we are forgiven of our sins. In Christ alone, the old is gone and the new is come. Religion is about how religion is about me. It's about how I perform. It's what I do. It's am I good enough. But Jesus did not come to create a religion. He came to show us the love of God. So while religion is about me, relationship is about Jesus. Religion says, if I'm good enough, God will love me. If I obey, God will accept me. But relationship says, because God loves me and accepts me. Because He accepts me, I choose to obey. 
It is not an effort to gain His love. It is a response to His eternal love. God doesn't love you because of what you do. God loves you because of who He is. Love is just not what He does. It is who He is. It is His very nature. Religion is about me. But relationship is about Jesus. Religion is, if I'm good enough, He will love me. Relationship is, because He is good, He already loves me. Someone said religion is spelled D-O. Do. It's all about what you do. But relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. It is finished. On the cross, Jesus said, I came to do what the Father sent me to do. And it is finished. You may want to add something to it. And we do. But God says it's done. 2,000 years ago, God became flesh and dwelt among us. He was without sin. And yet He took upon Him the weight of the sin of the world and died on the cross. And on the third day, He was raised from the dead. So that when you believe in Him, when you put your faith in Him, when your trust is in Him, it doesn't matter who you are or how bad you may have been or what you may have done. Our God says, it is finished. There is nothing more I can say. There is nothing more to say. When I consider His ministry, and I consider His resurrection, and I consider His message, I can no longer lean on that old phrase, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. This book tells me it matters desperately what I believe. Would you pray with me as our worship team? joins me back here on the platform. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for truth that trumps all of our preconceived notions and ideas. We are grateful for your presence in this place. And I give you thanks for what you mean to us in relationship. Father, we're pretty good about creating religions and we're pretty good about trying to create a church and we're pretty good about trying to tell you how you should handle everything. And we forget about it is just you plus nothing. And so, Father, today, we just wait in your presence here and ask you, Lord, to Reveal yourself to us. Somehow, just let us know. Be aware of your presence in this place. And we give you thanks. Would you stand with us, please? And let me just 
we're going to, the, the, the praise team is going to sing over us today. But as they sing, maybe there are some here today who would just say, it is this Jesus you spoke of, Pastor, that I seek to follow. It is that Jesus that I want relationship with. It is that Jesus that I just want to tell today how grateful I am for what He has done. And maybe as we sing, you just like to kneel here at one of these altars and bring that before the Lord and just remind Him how grateful you are for who He is. Let's sing together, and if you'd like to pray, I invite you to come.
I've said often during my interim time here that these wooden benches on either side of the platform that we call altars, they're not magic. They're just a good place to pray. So whenever you have opportunity to move to one of those wooden benches, it's just a good place to pray. And it is never out of line to do that during the service. Whether we're singing or I'm preaching, Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and you feel like you need to be there praying you go because it's probably more important than what you're going to hear me say you go Heavenly Father we are grateful for your presence in this place today and we believe that you have started some ideas some conversations in our minds that won't end when this sermon series is done. Some questions that will continue to germinate within our hearts as we continue to seek You. Because, Father, we confess to You that it is really easy for us to get our eyes on a hundred other things and forget that it is You. And so today, we bow in Your presence on some of these altars. And we confess that it is you that we seek. It is you that we need. It is you that we rely upon. It is you that we trust. And we ask, Father, for your presence to go with us. In the strong, powerful name. Your strong, powerful name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. The Lord bless you today. God bless you. Oh,
over